Section 11 of The Beginning of the Middle Ages by Richard William Church. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 5 The Franks, Part 3. The family of Clovis, the Merovings or Merovingians, fast degenerated. They lost their father's strength, they retained almost to the last their father's cruelty and unscrupulous perfidy they became unequal to the contest for power not with the conquered people but with the great men of their palace and retinue their own companions and warriors the men whom they created dukes of provinces and counts of great cities who though as yet hereditary only through the accident of personal qualities were growing up around them into a powerful nobility they were governed during the last part of the sixth century by terrible queens two rivals equally famous for their beauty their audacity and their crimes fredegund the low-born neustrian frank the wife of chilperic of soissons five sixty one to five eighty four and brunhilda the gothic princess the wife of his brother sigibert of metz 561 to 575, the daughter of the Gothic king of Spain, Athanagilt. Brunhilde's sister, the Gothic wife of Chilperic, had been murdered to make way for Fredegund, and the hatred and ambition of the Frankish and Gothic sisters-in-law filled the royal houses with intrigue and murder. Chilperic and Sigibert, Fredegund's husband and brother-in-law, both perished by her plots brunhilda as ruthless in her crimes but leaving a more royal memory in the local traditions of france was torn to pieces by a wild horse in her old age by fredegund's vindictive son the second clotar six thirteen she had been the murderess he said of ten frank kings then there appear at the side of the king and at the head of their administration officers who were known in history as the mayors of the palace maiores domus elected by the great men or appointed by the king according as each happened to be the stronger under their feeble masters they rose into a position new among germans but analogous to that of the barbarian patricians such as stilicho and Wikimer, in the last days of the western empire and perhaps imitated from the usages of the imperial court their office has contributed to the vocabulary of politics a new phrase for indirect or illegitimate power just as a phrase for political nullity derives its origin from the decayed and helpless family of the fierce clovis the roi fainéant the mayors of the palace make their appearance amid the ferocious quarrels kept alive by fredegund and brunhilda of whose purposes and crimes they were the instruments or the victims but after the sacrifice of brunhilda to family vengeance and to the fears and hatred of frank nobles the mayors of the palace assume a new importance as representing the rival interests of the austrasian and neustrian kingdoms after a number of insignificant names men at length appear who concentrate in their hands the whole power of each state and play with the last chilperics and childeberts like the pieces in a game of chess 
in the beginning of the seventh century the eastern mayors of the palace the dukes of austrasia all of them united by kindred or family ties arnulf afterwards bishop of metz pippin of langdon pippin of heristal establish a character for wisdom and virtue which gave them a popularity and influence new in frank history their natural antagonists were the neustrian mayors one of whom ebroyen six fifty six to six eighty one was a formidable and dangerous opponent for more than twenty years the struggle for supremacy went on each side was supported not merely by the lay chiefs of each kingdom but by great bishops some of them since canonized who threw themselves into the quarrels and intrigues of the contest and sometimes like saint didier of vienne and saint leger of autun perished in it after various turns of fortune ebroin bold resolute and cruel had at last broken the austrasian power and established the supremacy of neustria but in six eighty one he was murdered and six years later pippin of heristal won the battle of testri between peronne and saint quentin over the neustrians six eighty seven the result of the contest was the decisive victory of austrasia the victory for two centuries of the german element among the franks over the latin a revival and restoration of the original teutonic character in the frank kingdom for the next period of its existence the line of clovis lingered ingloriously after the battle of testri reigning but not ruling for more than sixty years the new masters of the frank kingdom were the dukes of austrasia pippin of heristal and his sons a vigorous family german in blood ecclesiastical in their relationships with strong and clear political purposes the founders of the race were the elder pippin of london who died in six thirty nine and st arnulf who died in six forty one who like so many of the bishops of the time had been first a soldier and a statesman and who before he was bishop of metz was duke of austrasia and mayor of the palace one of arnulf's sons became like his father bishop of metz another married a daughter of arnulf's friend pippin of london also mayor of the palace the grandson of st arnulf and of pippin was pippin of heristal who died in seven fourteen to reunite under one strong hand the dominions which the sons of clovis had allowed to break up was the policy of the long rule of pippin of heristal and like clovis he cultivated and used the friendship and good offices of the church but on a larger scale allying himself with the pope as clovis had allied himself with the bishops of rheims and tours pippin's policy was carried out with success by his famous son charles martel the hammer the german nations beyond the rhine were more and more compelled to admit the supremacy of the franks and pippin warmly encouraged the missionaries from england st boniface six eighty to seven fifty five and his companions who about this time were beginning to penetrate among the heathen tribes and were laying the foundations of some of the most famous german seas on the rhine utrecht mainz worms speyer his son charles martel seven sixteen to seven forty one 
after a decisive struggle with domestic anarchy encountered and beat back the greatest danger that ever threatened western europe at the great battle named of tours not far from the fields near poitiers where clovis vanquished the west goths charles martel routed the invading arab host and slew their formidable leader abderrahman in seven thirty two this great overthrow followed by the expulsion of the arabs from narbonne five years later was the final and decisive check to the saracen invasions of the west aquitaine which had begun to aspire to independence was once more recovered to frank supremacy charles martel shrank not from incurring the displeasure of the church by using its property for political ends and to maintain in efficiency the armies which he needed its increasing secularity and wealth invited spoliation bishops had degenerated into courtiers and soldiers and charles martel had no scruple in giving even such bishoprics as rheims and treves paris and rouen to be held by his warriors and dependents but if he dealt roughly with the church at home he was its patron abroad by the novel relations which he was the first to establish between the franks and the pope he laid the foundations of that central power of the church in western christendom which in the middle ages grew to such vast proportions charles martel was the first of the new princes beyond the alps who was invited by the bishop of rome to interfere in the affairs of italy there had been a long and increasing wrangle between the lombards and the italians in which the popes usually represented at once the national spirit and pride of the italians the traditions of the catholic faith and their own high pretensions to stand in the very place of st peter the lombards probably faithless certainly oppressive and encroaching had without any great coherence among themselves made themselves the torment and the terror of italy they seemed unable to grow into a nation they still after two hundred years were as far as ever from peace with the italians at length under liutprand seven twelve to seven forty four the ablest of the lombard kings there first appeared a chance of consolidation for the kingdom and friendliness with the italians for once he allied himself with a vigorous pope gregory the second seven fifteen to seven thirty one against the greeks of ravenna and he is said to have been the first donor of a city and territory sutri to the pope but the iconoclastic controversy on the use of images and pictures in worship raised by leo the isaurian had begun to divide greeks and latins liutprand shifted about from one side to the other seeking only his own advantage in the quarrel the lombards outwitted themselves the next pope gregory the third seven thirteen to seven forty three despairing of peace much less help from the lombards against the greeks turned to the franks beyond the alps charles martel was occupied and near his end in seven forty one pope gregory charles martel and the emperor leo died in seven forty four liutprand followed them and left a series of weak successors but the foundation of the frank alliance had been made 
from that time the franks came to be looked upon as the natural protector of the popes and a well understood reciprocation of benefits began it was a new position for the franks to find themselves courted and flattered by the spiritual head of roman christianity it was a new position for the roman bishop to find himself leagued by a community of interest and by an interchange of services with the rising power of the west without the name of king charles martel was the second founder of the frank kingdom he left his power and office to his two sons one of whom carloman soon voluntarily resigned his rank and retired to a monastic life at monte cassino his brother the third pippin pippin the short or the little resumed his father's task of consolidating the frank power in 747 but he advanced a step beyond his father's policy he resolved that the merovingian dynasty should come to an end nothing is more remarkable than that at that early period of political forms and organization and in an age of such ready and unscrupulous force the name and reality of power should have been by a kind of constitutional fiction not merely in different hands but in different families the name uninterruptedly in the family of clovis the reality in the hereditary dukes of austrasia and mayors of the palace it is still more remarkable that this should have lasted undisturbed for more than half a century a writer almost a contemporary einhardt the biographer of charles the great has left a description of the forlorn and silent helplessness of the last descendants of clovis all the wealth he tells us and all the power of the state belonged to the mayors of the palace nothing was left to the king except the kingly name with long hair and flowing beard he sat on the throne to receive envoys from all quarters but it was only to give them the answers which he was bidden to give his kingly title was an empty shadow and the allowance for his support depended on the pleasure of the mayor of the palace the king possessed nothing of his own but one poor farm with a house on it and a scanty number of attendants to pay him necessary service and respect he went abroad in a wagon drawn by oxen and guided by a herdsman in the country fashion thus was he brought to the palace or to the annual assemblies of the people for the affairs of the realm thus he went home again but the government of the kingdom and all business foreign or domestic were in the hands of the mayors of the palace that with such a race as the franks this state of things should at last have come to an end is not surprising what his father and grandfather had shrunk from pippin found himself in a position to undertake he was sure of the help of the popes with whom his family had already established a firm alliance and who looked to the franks as their deliverers in their troubles with the rival teutonic race which ruled in italy pippin appealed to the pope zacharias to say whether it was right that he who had no kingly power should have the kingly name pope zacharias seven forty one to seven fifty two gave the answer which it was intended he should give he sanctioned the deposition of the last merovingian king childeric the third the last of the line of clovis passed without a struggle 
a monk with his hair shorn and so incapable of any secular dignity from his palace or his farm to a monastery in the annual assembly of the bishops and great men at soissons pippin was proclaimed king of the franks in march seven fifty two and he received from the english apostle of germany boniface archbishop of mainz the consecration of the church two years later a pope stephen the second for the first time crossed the alps and was seen in the west he came to press again for aid against the lombards the help was promised and then from his hands at st denis in seven fifty four pippin and his two sons charles a boy of about twelve years old and his younger brother carloman received the anointing which hallowed their kingship and which as the pope held made them true kings the deposition of childeric the third whatever was the form of the pope's sanction to it was at any rate the first instance of such interference on the part of the popes the pope's sanction however very vague at the time and very obscurely recorded was the subject at a later period of fierce debates as to its authority and real bearing but the whole transaction was the first exercise on the part of the popes of a claim to change the allegiance of subjects to authorize the removal of one king in the election of another pope zacharias and his successors acted apparently in this first instance as arbiters the most venerable that could be found consulted on matters deeply important to the frank nation they exercised a power which in this case they were prompted to claim and were invited to use unfortunately they were not disinterested arbiters their decision was influenced by their own advantages and hopes the coronation of the new king was the result of a bargain and for the service which they rendered they were paid in cities and provinces pippin having in his company the pope who had crowned him with a solemnity new among teutonic kings crossed the alps humbled eichstolf the lombard king and forced him to give security that he would respect the rights and property of st peter eichstolf evaded his engagement and pippin compelled him after a second overthrow to become tributary to the frank kingdom and to cede to his conqueror all that he had recently won of the territory still left to the greek emperor in the north of italy the exarchate of ravenna and the flaminian pentapolis an expression for the lands and cities between the apennines and the adriatic from ferrara to ancona this territory the frank king presented as a donation to st peter it became with some additions south of ancona and west of the apennines the papal state the real donation of the frankish king was shortly afterwards supported by the production of what purported to be a still older donation the famous forged donation of constantine thus from the anointing of st denis of the second kingly line of the franks arose in the first place the temporal dominion of the popes held in the beginning as a temporal lordship over the overlordship of the king or emperor then claimed by them as independent princes in absolute sovereignty and next the pretension broadening out indefinitely from this precedent to interfere in the political and civil affairs of christendom 
to dispose of kingdoms, to set up and degrade kings. End of section 11.